0: Hello, I'm Daniel and welcome to the podcast, Life Changes You. Each week I'll be discussing different subjects that could change how you feel about your life. There will be interviews with people who have inspired me and changed the way I think about my life. I'll be bringing you subjects that can help you change your thinking and feel more productive. It's all about how you can create a better life. My motto is explore what you love, transform how you think and become an exceptional being. I want to encourage people to talk to each other and listen. Listening is a skill. You have to learn to listen to people. Explore what's around you and find your passion. Life really is a journey and you can walk whichever path you like. Transform how you think about your life. If you're not doing what you love, why not? become exceptional at what you do. This week, I'll be talking with Katie Dibb, Director and Principal Psychologist of Elysium Psychology. I've known Katie for quite a few years, I think around 10 years, maybe more. And uh, I thought it would be interesting for people to see what Katie is, what she's about, and how psychology changes your life, I guess. So, hello, Katie. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you, Dan. How are you today?
0: Good, thank you. So, can you tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, thanks uh, for having me to start with. Obviously, um, so I think probably the way that I would describe myself is multifaceted. I, yeah. I like to think of myself in a variety of different ways. So when people say to me a bit about yourself, I'm almost like, what part of myself
0: yeah, do you want me to, to tell you, you about? Yeah.
1: You about talk to you about? So. The first part is obviously as a psychologist and, um, you know, working with Elysium Psychology is is one of my passions. Um, The other part of me is as a teacher, um... Our, our journey started as yeah. as a teacher.
0: I think back in 2012. Is no, it 2010? Wow, yeah,
1: that is a while ago. But obviously, um, I've had other teaching roles outside of the one that we've had, working um, as a lecturer at a uni and stuff like that as well. Um, and then as a mum, uh, I've got three children. So Maya Hudson and a maverick. Uh, my three little darlings. Um, as a wife yeah. to my husband Simon. As a daughter to my parents, and I think uh, probably most significantly in my life is is as a sibling to my ten siblings,
0: ten, sh- ten brothers and yeah, sisters. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I, I guess you know that's that's me. That's all the parts of me. That's a large
0: know. family to be part of.
1: That is a large family to be part of.
0: yeah. How does Christmas? feel.
1: Um,
0: it must be hectic buying all those presents. Yeah,
1: well, we haven't done that for a long time because okay. um, all my siblings have uh, gone on to have their own families and so tend to have their own individual Christmases. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, as a childhood, I can remember, you know, sitting around a tree that was laden with gifts and spending lots of time unwrapping them. Obviously. And it must have
0: been horrendous waiting your turn to open a present. Did you have to wait or did, were you able to just go for it? No,
1: we all had to wait. <laughs> uh, my dad would select. Uh, he would burrow into the presents to make sure everyone got one at a time. (laughs) Uh, which I'm sure was a, a hard task. Um,
0: that must so, have taken hours.
1: Yeah, it did. It was probably most of Christmas, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that that's kind of, I guess, all the parts of me. And then as a friend. Um, yeah. So, you know, amongst my many friends, my second family, as I yeah. refer to them. So. And I
0: should say that um, I started my Diploma of Counselling in 2010. And when I started, the first book was quite easy for me. By the second book, I had no idea what I was reading. It felt like I was reading another language. <laughs> and so I was put in touch with Katie, who became my mentor and tutor. And then our friendship blossomed after I passed and got through that. And then I went on to start my Bachelor of Counselling. But you were what got me through because. I said in a previous podcast that I had a teacher who said that I would never amount to anything and you got me to stop that blockage in my head mm. from keep going round and round in my head, stopping me from, yes, I can do this. Yeah. So, I mean, that was fantastic. And it just opened my mind up to what I could actually achieve.
1: Yeah. I can actually distinctly remember that moment of challenging that in you. It yeah. was at my dining table, back in my old place, uh, and it was one so evening. hard for
0: me to actually comprehend what you were telling me because I, know. <laughs> I was like, "No, this is what I've been told. I can't do it. I can't." Yeah, yeah. And you're like, "No, you can. You yeah. can. You just have to stop believing that."
1: Yeah, and I think I saw that in you in the classroom as well. You know, in that class setting with your peers, because when you were relaxed and when you weren't concentrating on that and when you weren't focusing on that blockage, you actually were, you know, presenting some excellent skills. So
0: yeah. it was
1: very easy for me to see that that wasn't true, yeah. but it was very hard for you to believe. Yeah. in what I was saying, I guess, at that point. So
0: I think it took me actually till the time I did finish the diploma yes. to then go, actually, I can do things. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I think there was uh, a degree of dependency or a belief that that I was somehow creating this ability in you. You Um, were
0: like the oracle.
1: Yes, (laughs) but we all know now that is not correct.
0: (laughs) And then once I got through the diploma and I started to realise, oh, I can do this and I can do that, I mean, I still came to you for advice on things that I needed or to talk through an issue so I could get better clarity, which was always good because sometimes when you're faced with a psychological thing to do, you can't always think it through until you talk to someone and then it becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sometimes, and I think I think one of the things that was important in that stage with your and my relationship was that you trusted what I was saying, even though you didn't believe me. There was a degree of blind <laughs> faith. It was like, yeah. okay, you reckon I'm going to be able to do this? I'm going to do it. Then, you know, and you would you would take on the next challenge, which, you know, evidently became the what you needed to achieve to then believe in what you believed in, and yeah. And I think that that's the case with a lot of people who are working through challenges, you know, through psychological barriers. It's almost like you've got to fake it till you make it, which I hate the fact that I spent, you know, seven years studying psychology to tell people that in therapy yeah. or, you know, in a, but in a mentor. But then
0: or... when you do say to people you've got to fake it till you make it, they still go, how? Yeah. You know, so it's not as easy as just them going, all right, well, I'm just going to fake it till I make it. You do have to learn little steps. Yeah. That then you go, oh, now I've achieved this, now I can move on to this, and then yeah. I can move on to that. Yeah. So how did your childhood influence where you are today?
1: Yeah, well, obviously growing up with 10 siblings, yeah. um, and what I probably didn't mention in that is that we had foster kids for most of my childhood. Okay. So um, on top of the 10 siblings or nine because my brother had moved out when I was born uh, as the youngest, my mum my and dad would um, take on foster children yeah. um, in our home for respite or for holiday breaks for their family or for extended stays. And I think being, you know, the youngest, I think that they probably shaped my character and shaped my view of the world maybe more significantly than my siblings because yeah. they were a part of when my mind was developing its understanding of the world. So I think, you know, when I think back of my childhood and I think about the influences of the person I am today and the, the journey that I've taken to become a psychologist, I think one of the things that stands out for me is, is the awareness at such a young age that that, that adversity happens to others. You yeah. know, I I was blessed to live in a family. I thought adversity was, you know, being bullied by my siblings, which was quite quite normal in our family to sort of be picked on or, or being wrestled with or things like that. But then when you meet people who had had such adversity in their life, yeah. it's it has to train you to have perspective. And so I think from such a young age... Even though our family was quite, um, we we didn't have a lot of money, obviously having a lot of siblings, we grew up in the country, so it wasn't like we had access to a lot of resources. But I think that I learnt very quickly... To appreciate what I did have, yeah. and you know, you you learnt, you know, if I, I think back of some of my earliest memories of learning about our our foster children, you know, you learnt that 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 grandparents abuse their children. You yeah. know, you learnt that that parents can't always be available, and you learnt that some parents don't love their children unconditionally. Yeah. And I think, I think that that sort of started my awareness and my understanding. Um, my mum would often say I was the the one that picked up the stray, the stray chook. There's photos of me carrying around the chook that was always, you know, treated <laughs> badly by the other chooks. And you know, I'm probably only three or something in that photo. So there was yeah. a, there must have been compassion. a degree of yeah compassion and or empathy, empathy or yeah. understanding of that adversity or an awareness of it. Yeah. And you know, Mum would say oh, I would always make sure that the, the the kid that got bullied at school would be invited to our house for the parties. Yeah. Or you know, I can remember, um, you know like the, the kid at school who had an intellectual disability, I can remember standing up for him, yeah. you know, in the in the playground and his name was Robert and he was obsessed with wheels, you know. <laughs> I can remember him so distinctly. So I think that those early childhood experiences then, you know, opened me up to being able to support other people in ways that perhaps, yeah. you know, somewhat of my years or experience wouldn't have been able to do. And I think the, the memory... When people ask me about how did I begin my journey in psychology, I can remember um, I was probably about a young young teenager, so 14, yep. 15, and one of my one of my friends from school um, had quite an abusive family, and he used to come to our house when his stepdad would abuse him, and I can remember my mum taking him in and, and cooking and, and looking after him, and one one time he was uh, he was. Charged with um, some crime, and he was put in Tirana, which was which yeah. is now the Youth Justice Centre in Parkville. And when he came out, I remember catching up with him, and he said to me that the only reason that he's still here today is because there was a social worker in there that that kind of gave a shit about him and, yeah, and cared enough and him. believed in yeah. him. And 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 he, you know, I remember in that moment thinking, I want to be that one person for somebody. That makes a difference, yeah. That yeah. one person that that people can look back on their lives and think you know, that made a significant difference to who I am today or that that person, you know, shifted my view on something. And I think that's when I probably not consciously but unconsciously chose the route of of psychology because it was most natural fit for me. Um, You know, I, I went through school. Interestingly, I didn't study psychology in school. Um, yep. Actually, studied the sciences because the idea of scientific inquiry was quite interesting to me. So, yep. I studied biology and chemistry and physics and things like that. Which was a natural alliance with psychology. Which see that's
0: something I didn't know about you. Yeah, you know, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So not a not an astute enough learner uh, or disciplined enough to follow the sciences, um, but enough to be really curious about, you know, the the how how something creates change in something else, you know, in biology or in physics or in chemistry, and and I think that that marrying with my personality type meant that psychology was a really good fit for me because we do use the scientist practitioner model. We use evidence. We don't just choose whatever we think would work. We use the 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 technique or the therapy that we know scientifically yeah. works for the presenting problem. And I think that, you know, that kind of um, social, uh, psychological and emotional attachment to people plus the scientific inquiry, I guess, in myself... Yeah. led me to where I am today. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, look, it's important because there's a lot of people nowadays who don't have anyone who they can look up to. And I think a lot of problems that exist Um wouldn't necessarily be there if they had someone like you that they could say, Hey, I'm having trouble with this. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, but a lot of people nowadays are just so consumed in what they're doing rather than looking at the bigger picture of the community or neighbors and like yeah. what was probably happening 20, 30 years ago.
1: Yeah, look, I think we've certainly lost that sense of community connectedness, you yeah. know, whether that's because of the way societies are structured now or because, you know, families are not as physically connected with each other as they used yeah. to be. Um, but I do see that role, you know, in in health professionals like like psychologists or counsellors, appropriately qualified or, or whoever, you know, people need to support them. I think that's a role that people can reach out for, you know, yeah. is getting that support. Yeah, yeah, I think people, um, if they can start to open their um, perspective around psychologists to being yeah. just when you're unwell, yeah. you know, that 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 we do support those that I refer to as the worried well. You know, yeah. they're well, but they might have some sort of, ch- you know, challenge like, like yourself when yeah. you were struggling with that barrier to be yeah. as effective as you could have been yeah. as a student. Now, you weren't unwell, you yeah. know, there was no pathology there, but you were certainly struggling and it was significantly impacting your your achievement in that area, but not only that, but your enjoyment of that experience in your life. And so, you know, my role with you at that time wasn't as your psychologist, but obviously being a psychologist influenced my mentoring of you, you know, and I I think that's a really important um, thing that people can sort of be aware of and maybe have a bit of flexibility around in the way they view the role of mental health professionals, yeah. particularly psychologists. Um, Look, you know, I have a lot of clients that aren't unwell, you yeah. know, that they they come to me for support and guidance, you know, around their life um, challenges or their life transitions, and it's not about them being, you know, pathologically unwell or meeting yeah. any diagnostic criteria. It's just about teaching them the skills that they require.
0: I hope that you enjoyed part one of my chat with Katie Dibb. Next time, we will have part two. If you want to contact us, please visit our website, lifechangesyou.com.au. I always look forward to any suggestions that you may have. Don't forget to subscribe and like this podcast, Life Changes You, so you won't miss the next episode. And if you're experiencing distress, please contact Lifeline on 13 14 Thanks for listening.